Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Praise God. Well, on Sunday, um, Pastor Brian was talking about how simple the Word of God is and how simple the gospel is and how God wants us not to complicate things, but understand as well that God does things uh, because of his love, but we don't need to try to make it so complicated that we're unable to do it and we need several theologians to explain what we just said and nobody knows what you're talking about and you kind of get lost in all of the rhetoric, you know. So we're going to keep talking about how simple the gospel really is and how we need to keep it that way. Paul even said that I didn't come to you with all these uh, mighty lofty words, he said, because I want, I want what you to believe to stand in the power of God and not in my eloquent speaking. So we're going to continue that same way. So if you will turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, if you're born again, you are most blessed. I'm telling you now, you are most blessed. You are in the best position you could ever be in your entire life. A born-again believer. I'm telling you, all we need to do is look in the Word of God and find out what our benefits are about. Get with the Holy Spirit. Make sure we understand and have clarity. Uh, have Him minister to us and just be able to put ourselves in a position where we can receive everything that God has provided for us. You know, God is excited for us. God believes He did a good job. He really does. God believed he did an excellent job. He, think, he, he, he believed that he took care of absolutely everything we would ever need in life. And I'm not just talking about physical needs. I'm talking about emotional. God just, you know, health-wise, it's like, you know what? I laid the plan out. Don't nobody need to add to it. You don't have to try to. He don't want us going around trying to figure it out. He doesn't have any small print. Small print that's in bold typing. I mean, you do know that's what you really need to pay attention to. All that regular typing, you know, it's that tiny, but then they, then they, they, they bold it, but it's still tiny. That's the secret stuff. That's the stuff you need to make sure you're looking at. Amen. But God doesn't have anything like that. He's not trying to hide anything from us. He does not have an agenda that would confuse us. So in, the, um, in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 13, he says, but blessed, happy, Fortunate and to be envied are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. Now, he said this to his disciples after he had uh, shared a parable with them. And he was saying to them, he said, everybody can't see and everybody can't hear. They may hear the words, but they cannot get. As Brian said on Sunday, he said, every time God says something, you should see something. So everybody's not able to see. But born again believers, you are able to see and you are able to hear. And that's something we have to always remind ourselves when we think we cannot hear from God. You remind yourself, I can hear and I can see. If God is speaking to me, I can hear what he's saying and I can see 
what he is saying. That's why it's important that we meditate the word. That's why it's important that we don't, don't just skim over the word, thinking somehow automatically something's going to happen, but we read it intentionally for the purpose of transformation. So we're going to kind of hover around uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you will go there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18, and um, we're going to read this out of the, let's look at this in the New King James Version. First Corinthians chapter one, let's start at verse 18. And this is because again, God wants to keep it simple. So we'll be able to enjoy life as Jesus has determined. He said he wanted us to enjoy life to the full until it overflows. So in verse 18, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he's talking about preaching the cross to some people seem like it's silly. It's, it's, not, it's not grand enough. It's not big enough. It's got to be more to it than just preaching, uh, uh, preaching the cross. And we'll get into details about exactly what that means. But he says, for the message again, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And it says, for it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So God is talking about those people who think they're so smart. You know, I got all this intelligence and, you know, I've got all these PhDs and I got all, you know, people see me as being smart. You know, I'm Einstein. I'm, you know, I, I got it really going on here. And uh, so he's talking to him. He says, your wisdom is nothing to me. I can destroy with just, you know, just a thought. I can, I can run circles around you. That's why I love reading the discourse between Jesus and the Pharisees because they always thought they had him. And he would always say something that they, they couldn't answer. And I especially like when, when they just had ran out of stuff to say, they couldn't say anything else but tell a mama joke. We be not born of fornication. Is that all you got left? After you started off with all this, you know, uh, if, if the woman die, if the husband die, and, and then the woman get married to the brother, and then seven husbands, I mean, you just all in the stratosphere. And then at the end of it all, only thing you can say with all your smarts is, we be not born of fornication? <laughs> Let's look at Isaiah chapter 29, because God has something to uh, say concerning these things. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 16. And I'm going to read this out of the uh, easy reading version because I like the way it translates. Isaiah 29 and 16, it says, you turn things upside down. You think the clay is equal to the potter. You think that something that is made can tell the one who made it, you did not make me. This is like a pot telling this maker you don't understand. So he's, 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 he's telling them, you, you know what? I am God. You cannot compete with me. But yet you think that you can. Let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll pick up at verse 20. And he says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. He says, for Jews, they request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. And, you know, it's interesting because they look for a sign, but Jesus was doing miracles, but it didn't cause them to change their heart or their mind concerning him. I mean, he was doing stuff. And, and again, I think about the word of God. They're upset uh, about Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath. They, didn't, they, they were so into the law and, and, and legalistic things concerning uh, God that they didn't even ask him uh, about the fact that he was healed. They wanted to know who healed you on the Sabbath day. He says, so, you know, you just, when, you, when you're looking in to yourself, what you say to God is foolish. It's silly to him. Verse 22, he says, for again, for the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. He says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, he said, is foolishness. He says in verse uh, 24, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it, it, so much power was released on our behalf when he got up. The power of the cross, the, the wisdom of God. No, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians also, he said that no one knew. People have been looking for this, this mystery. What is what, what and others were uh, looking for this day. People, the word of God says that there were people, patriarchs, that longed for this day. And they wondered who would be a part of this day. So sometimes we don't even recognize what we're a part of when other people uh, in the past longed to see this time. They were like, what group of people? David even said, he said, what group of people will be forgiven of their sins? What group of people are going to be able to experience what we now call grace? What we now call redemption? Because, of course, in David's day, you messed up. And you got punished for it. So he was like, who is going to be able, what group of people are going to be able to live during this time? And therefore, we should be very grateful about the fact that we are born in, this, in the time of grace. Amen. That we should be able to experience the favor of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, there's another translation saying Christ is God's ultimate miracle and wisdom all wrapped up in one. He says, so man's wisdom is tiny and absurdity in God. He said, it's T90. The stuff you think you know, God's like, what you, what do you really think you know when it, comes, when it comes to me and all my wisdom, when it comes to me and all that I do, how, how do you formulate in your brain to even think that you can think of something greater, higher, better. What, what make you think your plan is better than any plan that I have come up with? What make you think 
God's like, I don't get it. I'm holding all this together. Every bit of it. Otherwise, you could, this, this world is, listen, when I think, even when I think about it, the world is turning and going around at the same time and not any of us have fallen off. Not one of us have fallen off. You understand what I'm saying? Because God was wise enough to create gravity to hold us down. He says, so when you, when you, when, when man, you know, they, you devise these, 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 uh, I guess, spaceships. <laughs> spaceships make me think of Star Trek. But anyways, but you know, I used to watch that Star Trek all the time. I was a Trekkie, but I'm not anymore. But I actually was. And I watched it all the time from a little child. And I'm like, look at that. They can transport people. Do you know God was doing that long before? And you, and you know, and we go, ooh, at least I did as a child. It's like, oh, my goodness, one day we'll be able to transport ourselves. Philip was transported. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? And it didn't take any fuel. It didn't take, I mean... <laughs> it didn't take it didn't take all the all the people coming together and they probably they're sitting at a table one day talking about a script and saying, okay, yeah, we're gonna have this machine you can stand in and you can transport yourself. And God is looking at it like, really? Y'all just not <laughs> Do you know how long ago that I did that? I'm just saying. God is saying, so any wisdom of intelligence that you have cannot be compared to my wisdom and to my knowledge. In verse uh, 26, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He said God deliberately chose people that um, weren't, I guess, in our estimation, I mean, the smartest people in the world. Not that he didn't choose some of them. So let's not go around saying, you know, uh, because I'm the lowly and I don't have anything, God chose me, but he cannot choose someone who do have stature, who do have it, uh, uh, intelligence, who do have high IQs. He just says some. A lot of us don't fit in that category, so I think he pointed that out. <laughs> so he says... For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And we can look at some of those people. When uh, God showed up, and we can go here, ju uh, Judges chapter 6, God shows up and he deliberately chooses Gideon. He says in verse 11, uh, Judges 6, verse 11, he says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the uh, am I reading at the right place? Uh, Terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, God do call those things that be not as though they are. Because <laughs> it's not that they aren't to him. They are to him. But God just shows up with how he sees us. And we look at it and say, that ain't how I see myself. So here it is. He says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us. Okay, now here we go. If the Lord is with us, 
Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Well, go in this your might. How about that? Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? It says, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So he's just taking, he's like, you know, out of the 12 tribe, God, you know we the worst. And then in that clan, we the worst in that clan, and then I'm the worst one in the clan that I'm in. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's verse 17, it says, Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. Well, let me go back up. Uh, and it says, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Well, God comes to Gideon, and he calls him mighty man of valor. And so Gideon begins to tell him who you're talking to God, because you must not know who I am. So I'm explaining to you who I am. And then God tells him to go in his own might. Now Gideon recognizes where he is. He recognizes, you know what, God? <laughs> I'm weak. I mean, can't you see that I'm actually threshing wheat because I'm hiding? But I heard that you were a big God. But he recognizes that I'm weak, God, and I can't do this. And do you know that is the first stage of getting strength from God, is to recognize that you don't have it going on. In all your knowledge, in all your wisdom, in all your experiences, you don't have it going on. And God starts there because he realizes where he is and he realizes, I can't, I can't do this. God says, good, I'm glad you recognize you can't do it. Now go in my strength. See, a lot of times when things happen to us, we try to overcome it in our own strength. We start doing mind exercises and, 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 and sometimes we use confessions as enchantments and, and we think it's our power that's causing us to, to become strong. And, 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 and for a long time, people would... They would treat faith as if it's something they mustered up. I'm building my faith. I'm, 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 I'm getting strong, not I'm weak and it's God strong in me. Because Paul made a statement. He said, it's not I. He said, but it's the grace of God working in me. And you know when he said that? He talked about that. When he went to God about, uh, uh, he says, I have this, uh, uh, Satan is buffeting me. He said that, you know, I'm being tormented, God. You know, I've come to you three times already because, you know, Paul had it going on. I mean, when you looked at him, I mean, he's out there, he's preaching the gospel and, you know, people are getting saved, although he's being chased all over the place. But, you know, Paul is, he's steadfast in what he's doing. And then he comes across something. And it's like, okay, God, you know, I already prayed. You answer my prayers, you know. You know, I'm, I'm Paul, you know. You know, I pray for people. They get healed. God, you know, I, I contend with the best of them. I, and God says, you know what? 
He said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is, my favor is sufficient for you, Paul. He said, yeah, you, you do, you, you, you doing some things, but you got to recognize too. That's why we go through that dissertation where he says, you know what? He said, I glory in my weakness because when I'm weak, he's strong in me. I'm going to give the glory to God. I'm going to give the praise to God. I recognize that what I'm doing uh, and the things that I do is coming from you. It's not from me. I got to, in my weakness, God is actually strong in me because I fade away and stop trying to work this thing myself. And I go to God and I praise him for what he's already done. You know, it's, it's kind of get a little ridiculous. Jesus says, I've already finished everything, but yet we, we try to step on the scene and say, well, this is how it happened with me. I just did this and this and this and this and this. And then people start writing down your formula. Yeah, that's how I'm, that's, that's, that's how I'm going to get strong. But in actuality, when we recognize where we really are. Now, I'm not talking about the person going around being poor and pitiful me. Oh, you know what? It's just so awful. I just can't do nothing. I'm just so pitiful. Oh, Jesus, if somebody don't help me, I just don't, I can't think straight. Oh, the kids got on my last nerve. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about a wimpy person, but he's talking about someone who understands that God favors them and it's not in my might that anything takes place, but it's because of what Christ has done already on the cross. That's why he talks about the power of the cross. He said, other people are teaching all this other stuff. He said, but I'm, Paul said, I'm sticking with the power of the cross because I know that's where it was all won. I know that's where it, I know that's where it all came from. I know that's where it all stemmed from. The fact that Jesus went to the cross, the fact that Jesus took the bruising, the fact that Jesus shed his blood, the fact that Jesus took all the scourging, the fact that Jesus took all the beatings. He said, I know all this stuff happened on the cross. So that's what I'm going to preach. I'm not going to preach strength in anything else except for what happened on that cross. Because that's what it all goes back to, is what happened on the cross. And think about it, David, had, had the prophet not insisted on seeing David, his father was like, yeah, this is all my sons. How you forget you got a child house <laughs> watching sheep? You, I mean, how you, but he, and then he's like, do you not have another one? It's almost like he was perplexed, another one? Huh. Do I, Oh, yeah, we got this corner little rot. This, I mean, but we, know, we already know. Had discounted him. We already know you don't, want, you don't want him. And he said, well, we're not going to eat till you go get him. And as soon as he saw him, he said, that's the one. <laughs> the weak things, the weak things. People just, you know, you discount yourself. Because you don't think, my faith is not as strong as their faith. Listen. People would have you think you have to do acrobatics. I mean, that you got to be, when I think about it, I think about uh, in order to really get God to do things for you, you have to be able to have already uh, won several medals in the Olympics. I mean, that's how good your acrobatics has got to be. Because otherwise, for you, normal people, it's hit and miss. 
Well, that's just not the way God does that. That's not how God sees that. He says, Gideon says, then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me your sign. And we don't want to be doing any of that, but we see in this particular account the fact that um, God was the one who was going to provide the wisdom and the strength to carry this out. He said that it'll be like one man. Because you know, you know what we do. One man, you don't really mean one man. My plan is let's get some more people. We're going to gather up everybody. And God said, let me dwindle that down. Let me dwindle that down. Let me dwindle that down some more. He said, till you get to the point where you know it was my strength and not yours. Till you get to the point where you know it's me and that I am showing you great favor. Amen. Let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 26, again, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. God said, I chose the things that are nothing to bring to nothing the things that think they are. I mean, God's like, <sighs> chosen foolish things. God is like, okay. People don't know the power, what we do now, thank God, of communion. But people will look at it and say, y'all over there talking about y'all taking the wine. Y'all got, and this represents the, 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 the body of Christ. And this represents, they have no idea. God said, you think that's foolish. He said, but that's what I'm using. You think you're wise, but that's what I'm doing. And as people began to believe in what I'm saying and doing the communion the way I'm saying you ought to do it, understanding what is going on, that healing can take place before you even get to the doctor. Before, and even after they have uh, given a diagnosis, you can take this and you'll show up and they'll be like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what took place. I don't know what's going on. Um, last night I happened to be up, I guess it was night, 2.30 in the morning. Anyway, I woke up. And so uh, my children teased me. They're like, do you watch Christian TV all day and all night? I said, it may be on, I'm not listening to everybody. Uh, <laughs> but um, I heard this young man talking and he said that he was giving them uh, an example of God and, and his healing and prayer. And so he said that, uh, that uh, this is a true story. He said there was a couple who uh, had a child. The child was about nine months old. Took the child over to a friend's house, and they were kind of way out from the city. And um, 
the child got sleepy, so they put him on the bed, put pillows around the child, and went back to their conversation. About 30 minutes later, the mom comes in to check on the child, can't find the child, moving all the pillows. Look over against the wall, the child is on the floor and blue. So, of course, everybody comes in and, you know, uh, not knowing what to do, they call the ambulance, going to take them. I think he said it was going to take them 45 minutes to get there. And so, of course, uh, they don't know what to do. They're frantic. They finally get there, and they look at the child, and they says, you know, I'm sorry. There is absolutely nothing we can do. They were like, no, we're going to the hospital anyway. And he says, you know, some, some <laughs> a woman jumped up and said, don't you say that. Don't you say that this child is dead. Of course, they're looking like, yeah. And so they jump in the ambulance, they rush to the hospital, they get there, take the child in, and the doctor says, listen, there is really nothing we can do. The child's heartbeat is beating like five beats a minute. It's not nothing, there's nothing we can do about this situation. He says, but, you know, there is a pediatric hospital 30 minutes from here. You can take him there. So they jump in the car and they take him there. And uh, well, pr prior to them taking it there, the father lays hands on the child and says, you know what, every blood cell, every vessel, your brain will function the way it's supposed to function. Prayed for the child, jumped in the ambulance, went over to the hospital. He said, you know, the doctor said, hey, they're going to tell you the same thing. They're not going. So the child wasn't quite gone yet. But uh, they were talking about the child was going to be in a vegetative state. And, you know, there's nothing they was, you know, going to be able to do concerning it. And uh, the young man said, and then uh, when they got to the hospital, they heard crying coming from the ambulance. But they took the baby in. Of course, the doctor examined the baby, says, okay, so he's living, but he won't live past two. And then uh, and during that time, you know, he won't have, be able to function right because of the length of time that he's been without oxygen to the brain and that type of thing. And he said that, uh, they said, fine. And they took the child home. And he was up preaching, and he said, I am that child. He said, I am that child. And he said, <laughs> he did say the doctor who told him that, you know, he's breathing, but he will not, you know, live. He said that doctor just uh, uh, told him, too, as, as he was talking to him. He says, I don't, I'll never say this again in front of anybody else, but it's a miracle that this child is even living. And he said, I am that child. And he said, I happen to be married to that surgeon who said that very thing. Married to, that married to the daughter, excuse me, married to the daughter of that surgeon who said, this child will be a vestige, you know. And, he, and, he, and this is what he said, which I thought was, you know, of course, I'm like you. I'm like, wow, that's so good. He said, I don't like to tell the story. And I thought, why not? He said, I don't like to tell the story because people often think that it's something special about me. He said, there's nothing special about me. He said, me and my wife have challenges. He said, as a matter of fact, we just went through the worst week we ever had in our lives last week. He said, we, he said, stuff don't get done. He said, I live a very normal life, so I wasn't special. It was no special calling on my life. It was no, and so he said, that's why I don't like to share the story, because I don't want people to think that that was something special I'd done or did. He said, people just need to know that God loves them, that he favors them, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. And I was like, God, that is so true. But we sometimes start to put ourselves in categories that God really doesn't put us in. And that the promises of God is for every believer, every believer, every believer. And you don't, you're, you don't have to be the perfect saint. That's not what he's looking for. 
Because if, if, if that were the case, then you would have earned the favor. And then you would have reason to take part in the glory. Let's keep reading. He says in verse 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Because again, people think that the things that God counsels us to do, that they're foolish things. And I told you about the communion. People think it's foolish that um, people would commit to giving tithes and offerings in the church. They think that's, they think that's absurd. They think that's silly. They think that's crazy. People ignore uh, the oil. Or they think, y'all over there slapping oil all over each other. Not understanding that in the book of James, it talks about anointing them with oil. Coming to the, to the elders and they, you getting anointed with oil and he healing. And forgiving of sins. So God says, I'm not trying to complicate any of this. You don't need to complicate it. You need to really, really come to know how much I really care about you and how much I really love you. And yes, it is simple. Yes, it is simple. And don't let anybody complicate it. And that's why Paul says, you know, I just preached the cross. Only thing I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I need to know. All I need to know is the power of the cross. That's all I need to know. The thing I need to know is that Jesus Christ died and I was redeemed and I'm no longer under the law of sin and death. I'm under the law of life in Christ Jesus. He says the, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. He's talking about the, 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 the war that goes on in our mind to come against the simplicity of the gospel. You know, it, it's like I told somebody once, uh, they, we were praying for people and it's like, you know, I didn't fall out. I was like, lay hands on yourself and fall out. It's okay. At home, I mean, if you need to fall out, just... I got to get somewhere so people get like, no, just, I mean, I, I think you can. I mean, I, honestly, I do. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying it at all. What I'm trying to do is for us not to get in a box. Not waiting. You come in and you're hearing the word. You can be healed sitting right in your seat. You understand what I'm saying? You can get an answer from God just listening to the word come forth. And there will be times when we will ask people to come up and we will, we will pray for you. But understand, when you're hearing the word of God, healing is going forth. When you're hearing the word of God, wisdom is going forth. You have to come expecting to hear what God has to say, and he will equip you. But if you're, if you're coming and you're demanding the person up front to, to do everything and be everything, 
then you probably won't get anything at all. Even if we called you up here and laid hands on you, nothing probably would have happened unless something happened. Y'all get that? Yeah. If I didn't fall, nothing happened. If I didn't tremble, nothing happened. And I'm not downplaying that because that does happen. What I'm saying is we have got to be so open to the favor of God that we just let it happen anywhere, everywhere. Not just when we come to church, it happened on your job, happening walking down the road, happening when you're doing your, your pull-up or your sit-up. Just happen at any time. We should be just like God at any time. At any time. I got to wait for the church to pray over the oil. Pray over your own oil. And if God lays it on our hearts to do it, we'll do it. And you can... Bring your oil and we'll pray for it. But I'm just saying, we have got to keep it simple. Because it's the simplicity that causes us to be able to do it and to walk in it. And so, um, you know, we've, we have just, and I, and I include myself, complicated things. Looking for something else. And God says, you, it's, it's, it's available. You have free access to me. You have free access to me. And it's hard for us to say this, but you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve answers. You deserve wisdom. You deserve healing. You deserve prosperity and increase. You deserve favor. You deserve it all. Why? Because of the power of the cross. That's why. It's not because you've been a good little Christian. But the power of the cross will cause you to be a good little Christian. Let God, let, let God work on that, on that part. I heard someone saying it's so true. Someone comes to you for healing. Don't start discounting it. Don't start looking at what they did wrong. Jesus never did that. You remember the account where the person said, who's sinning? He or his parents. It's in the old covenant where it says that, it would, that the sins would be visited uh, on the children from the parents. That's, 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 that's old. And we talk about the fact that Sure, there are things that appear to just run through families, and you know, but you can just say the buck stops here because I know the power of the cross. I know what Jesus Christ did for me. And he did it for me. So God wants us to release ourselves from ourselves. <laughs> release ourselves from ourselves. And let him enjoy, and I did say enjoy, let him enjoy blessing your life. Let him enjoy healing your body. Let him enjoy causing increase to come in your life. Let him in, he does it, he said, there's another scripture that talks about it's his kind intent. Hallelujah. God is such a good God. Why don't you stand to your feet?
Some of us have been like Gideon, thinking that we had to go in the strength of our own might. So God wants us to begin the releasing process of you holding on so tight to things and letting them go. Letting them go. Uh, and listen, I can remember when people used to tell me, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cared for you. But I had no understanding in order to even participate. So I'm doing all this mind work. You, know, you all understand what I'm saying? I'm doing all this, all this acrobatics in my head. But the Holy Spirit is present always to bring, that's how I, I pray that he brings just clarity, understanding, and enlightenment of the word. So it'll shine light. We used to say shine light in dark areas of your life where there is no light being shined at the time. But I do, I believe that God wants us to just let some things go that we've really been trying to handle ourselves trying to work up enough strength in our own selves to carry it. Amen. Amen. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.